grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of John. We begin today with the word of prayer. Almighty God, you are a gracious Father who has given us all good things. And Lord, we recognize that you are powerful over all things. So that you send the good and at times, Lord, you allow the bad to come to us too. While we are in the midst of this, Lord, it is often hard for us to understand what you are doing. And so we pray for you to grant us your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might see him clearly in the midst of our troubles. And Lord, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before, and I'm sure you understand uh, what it means, but when we say hindsight is twenty twenty, what we mean is this, is that when we look back on our past, we tend to see things a little more clearly than we did while we were in the midst of whatever was going on. When you say you have 20-20 vision, you're saying that you can see things more clearly. To have good vision is to have 20-20 vision. So to say hindsight is 20-20 is to say, uh, I understand what went on in the past much better now that I've come through it. I thought to start this sermon this morning, uh, what I would do is I would look up some funny memes or some funny jokes about us being in the year 2020 and playing like sort of with a pun on the idea of being in 2020 and having 2020 hindsight and all this kind of stuff. And so I spent a few minutes on the internet looking up funny memes or funny jokes about this, and I didn't find any, not a single one. Which means I wasted all of my time. And looking back on those minutes, I clearly see that I wasted my time. Get it? You see what I did there? I lit, that was hindsight. Okay. You're welcome, everyone at home. Uh, but this idea of hindsight today, hindsight, is, is something I want us to think about. And actually, I think that hindsight can be a rather helpful concept for us as Christians, especially when we are in the midst of of a rather difficult situation, which, which we all certainly are right now. Um, we are in a time where it's very hard to see clearly. It's hard to see clearly what's going on all around us. We clearly don't know what is going to be happening in the future. Our vision is clouded. We don't understand this virus. We don't know what will happen with our economy. Many people are concerned about what's going to happen with their jobs. We don't know what's going to be happening with church, like when we're going to be able to get together again. We don't know who to trust on television, what information is good and what information is bad, and we're on like information overload and everybody's an expert on stuff nobody knows anything about. We don't know what's going on even with our sick loved ones. Our vision is clouded right now, and we want understanding. We want clarity. And it's at times like this so often that our frustrations get turned towards God because we don't know what God's doing in all of this we don't know why God is allowing or causing however we want to describe it we don't know why he would allow this thing to go on for as long as it has and so we start to worry and we start to question God where are you in all of this why are you causing this is he even listening to us is he angry at us is he punishing us is he absent from us does he even care and so in the midst of all of this, where we have all this kind of troubling uh, stuff taking place around us, and we need some clarity. We want answers, and we need somebody to come along and clear things up. And so the Lord Jesus shows up to us today. The Lord Jesus comes to us in the midst of our uncertainty and our unclarity with his word. 
to give us hope and confidence. Now, as Jesus approaches us today with his word, he's not necessarily going to answer all of our questions, and he may not tell us the things that we want him to tell us, but when he speaks, he brings clarity. He helps put what we're going through right now, he helps put it into perspective. Because he helps us see things, we might say it this way, from the perspective of the end. In fact, we could think of it like this. Jesus brings hindsight into the present to help us gain a better perspective about what's going on. Listen to his words to us today. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now, it's one, that's one of those phrases Jesus uses. And if we didn't know who it was who was saying it, and if we didn't fully understand uh, the context in which it almost might sound like Jesus is being a little flippant towards us right now, a little callous and, 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 and sort of cold towards our current situation. Let not your hearts be troubled. Oh yeah, Jesus, okay, I won't let my heart be troubled if you take away the disease, if you heal my loved ones, and if you secure my job, then I won't let my heart be troubled. But how can I not let my heart be troubled? Have you seen the troubles going on around us? Trouble, in fact, Jesus, is all I see. But perhaps... That's our problem. All we're looking at is our troubles. And we've taken our eyes off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and our salvation, and we've fixated them on our trials. Now, what I'm going to say to you today, don't hear me saying this. I'm not saying we should ignore our troubles. I'm not saying we should ignore our trials. In fact, I think we have to look at them. We have to deal with them, of course. I'm not going to say something to you like this. Just ignore the bad stuff and focus on the good stuff. Don't think about the troubles. Think about Jesus and everything will be fine. That's not what we're getting at here. But I do think what Jesus is inviting us to do today is to look at our troubles in light of him. To consider our current situation in light of what all that he has done for us. To examine the troubles and trials in life in light of Jesus Christ, the crucified and the risen one. And when we do that, we realize he speaks words to us that give comfort to us. He speaks words that are sort of balm to our souls and are, are, give us strength to face the inevitable trials that will come in our lives. Just notice the night in which Jesus actually says the words, let not your hearts be troubled. He actually speaks these words on the night in which he's betrayed. This is the conversation, the upper room discourse that takes place after uh, the institution of the Lord's Supper. So here is Jesus. He's, he's given his disciples his body and blood in the sacrament. He has then told them uh, how to love one another sacrificially, and he's shown it to them by washing their feet. And now he has some news for them that's going to trouble their hearts. He says this, I am leaving, and where I am going, you cannot follow me now but you will follow me afterwards. Now, it's a little obscure what he's saying there, but we all understand the story, right? We know that he means he's going to the cross, and there he is going to suffer a bloody, agonizing death for the sins of the world. And Jesus says to his, his disciples, you can't go with me right now. But then he says this, 
you will. You are going to suffer. One day the cross will find you, and you will suffer for my name's sake. These are troubling words. Now, Peter doesn't grasp them, as, as, as usual with Peter. He doesn't quite get all these things, and he believes Jesus is going to go lead a rebellion and a coup. And he says, hold on, Jesus. What do you mean I can't go with you? I'm ready to die with you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. He says, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, no, Peter. Yeah, you're going to follow me, and then you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows this morning. It's a troubling conversation they're having here. Jesus says, I'm going to die. One day you're going to die for my name. And Peter, you're about to shamefully and foolishly sin against me. You're about to deny me. It's a very troubling conversation we are in the midst of. But now you and I, we have sort of an advantage as we read this story that Peter doesn't have. We have the advantage of hindsight. We can look back on this story from the perspective of the end and know exactly what's going to go on here. Yes, it is troubling that Jesus is going to go die on the cross, but we know why he's going. As a sacrifice for your sins and my sins to earn us forgiveness and salvation. What's more, we know that the cross is not the end for Jesus. But what is? The resurrection. He is risen, right? This is what we say during the season of Easter. He is risen indeed. And he has conquered sin, and he has conquered the grave, and he has conquered the devil, and he's done it all for us. So it's troubling, but when we see it from the perspective of the end, we know exactly what Christ is up to, and it gives us hope. It's the same thing with Peter. You and I know Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. We know that he's going to shamefully run off in denial of his Lord. And yet we also know that Christ will appear to Peter after his resurrection. And he will speak to Peter, and he will forgive Peter, and he will restore Peter three times. And then he'll give Peter the authority and the responsibility to carry out the mission of the church. And in order to carry out that mission, he's got to give Peter the promise of everlasting life. He promises Peter that he's prepared a place for him. And now with this resurrection encounter and with these promises, Peter grows bold, no longer afraid to stand up for Christ, but willing to die for Christ, to lay down his life for Christ, because why? He has a perspective from the resurrection. He knows how the thing is going to end. That whether he lives or he dies, he belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ has prepared a place for him. What Jesus gives to Peter in those resurrection accounts, what Jesus gives to Peter in those promises, is the very thing Jesus gives to you today to ease your troubled heart. He gives you a new perspective, hindsight, promises from the resurrection. We might even say uh, a resurrection perspective. You can, in a certain sense, consider your current troubles and trials from the perspective of the end. Knowing that whatever it is you're facing now, that whatever it is you're going through now will not stop you from going to the place that Christ has prepared for you. And in fact, God is going to use this, as we'll talk about a little bit more here momentarily, to get you even closer to Jesus Christ. It's quite remarkable. See, you have the resurrection promise today that no matter what you are facing, let not your heart be overwhelmed or troubled. Why? Because Christ has prepared a place you. No matter what, Christ has prepared a place for you. And notice how he prepared it. 
by bleeding and dying on the cross for your sins. That place that he has prepared for you, you do not have access to that place apart from Christ because of your sinfulness, because of your rebellion and your rejection of God, because of your, your frustration and anger towards God, because of your sins, you do not have access to the Father. But that is precisely why Christ came to suffer and bleed and die, to forgive you for those sins, to remove those sins, and to prepare a place for you by shedding his blood on your behalf. And since he entered such trouble, such pain, such wrath from God, you will not have to face those things for all of eternity because he has done that for you. He's claimed you as his own, and he will never leave you nor forsake you forever. So that Whatever you're facing right now, it's not stronger than the blood of Christ. Whatever you're facing right now, it's not stronger than the promises of Jesus Christ. Whatever you are facing right now is not enough to keep you from that place. In fact, as I I mentioned a moment ago, from this perspective, we can see how God might even be using our troubles for our good. To cause us to flee to him in faith. To teach us to cry out for mercy to show us that we are in fact weak on our own and we need him for our strength. God in these times is teaching us to rely upon him. He's teaching us to pray. He's teaching us what it means to be dependent upon him for all things. I find myself when I'm, when I'm sitting alone in all these moments and I'm growing uh, frustrated and tired, suddenly my sins all come rushing back into my head and start accusing my conscience in my heart. And in these times when, when I'm facing trouble, my sins become all the more apparent to me. And I believe that God uses these times then to once again drive me to repentance. This daily repentance for this daily need of forgiveness, which he richly and daily provides for you and for me through his son, Jesus Christ. See, God is at work even in the midst of this. Things that we may intend for evil, he will even ultimately use for good. This is why St. Paul, when he writes to the Romans, can say these wonderful words about our suffering. These things that Christ has done for us almost redeems our suffering because suffering now produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not, does not disappoint us. What is that hope? That Christ has prepared a place for you, and if he has prepared a place for you, he is coming back for you to take you to be with him so that where he is, you will be also. When we arrive in that place, we will see clearly how God used all these things for our good. There's a marvelous song by a guy named Andrew Peterson called After the Last Tear Falls, and he has this this great line in, in that song where he says, when we get to that place, he says, we'll look back on these tears as old tales. Look back on these tears as old Continuing on, St. Paul can write from the perspective of the resurrection these words. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. That that verse there is not meant to undermine the sufferings and the trials of the present time. But what it's meant to do is to show you just how immeasurably marvelous it is going to be when we enter into the presence of Christ at the resurrection of the dead. This is the hope that we have. And this hope will not disappoint us. This hope gives us the perspective of the resurrection. 
Now, for some of us, that might not be enough. For some of us, we still want answers. We, we demand to know the answers to why these things are going on. And, and for us, we have just a little bit more from the text today, and we have a, 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 a cohort here in Philip. Philip the disciple. Philip hears these words of Jesus, and he's not really satisfied by them. So Philip says to Jesus, all right, Lord, we get it, but now why don't you do this? Show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. Let us peek behind the curtain and see God face to face and see what he is up to in all of this. Just give us the answers of the why, and we'll be satisfied with that. Two responses to this. First, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be satisfied. It would not be enough. In fact, to see God face to face in all of his glory, that might be the end of you. And second, Jesus says this. You want to know what God's up to in the world? You want to see what the Father is up to in the world? Jesus says, look at me, Philip. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And what have you seen the Father do? Send his Son into the world to die for the sins of the world, to rise for the salvation of the world, and to prepare a place for you in his kingdom forever. All this, Jesus says, the Father has sent me to do for you. And this is enough. Jesus is enough to forgive all of your sins. Jesus is enough to prepare a place for you in heaven. And that is exactly what he has done. Therefore, he is enough. He is enough to get you through the quarantine and through COVID-19. He is enough to give you strength for the days ahead. He is enough to give you access to the Father through your prayers. He is enough. Jesus says, I am sufficient for you. Trust me. See, no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad it gets, and it, it might get bad, it is nothing in comparison with what Christ has prepared for you. And you will arrive there. And you will look back and you will see clearly with perfect 2020 vision how God used all things for your good. And you will look back on these tears as old tales. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are faithful to us even in the midst of our trials. You teach us, O oh Lord, in the midst of what we are facing, to trust in you, to pray to you, to repent, and to turn again to your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, O oh Lord, that Christ has turned towards us, that he's forgiven us, renewed us, and now is leading us into your presence for all of eternity. Grant us grace, O oh Lord, to trust you always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.